I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Podcast on Fifth Ave. It's just... Taylor and me today, Jenna is in Tampa and uh, Taylor, you're coming to Tampa. I'm in Tampa. We're <laughs> yes. all going to be in Tampa for this game uh, tonight, Thursday night. So yeah, we already talked about how we're going to have to meet up in our big Jeff shirts and, and take some kind of picture because that has yet to happen, but that'll be a good time. Hopefully the Penguins will win and they had a pretty good weekend too. They beat the Rangers, obviously. Tristan Jari got a shutout, and then that game against Columbus was a bit of a roller coaster. It was uh, there were a lot of good moments in both games, but in the in the Columbus game specifically, Casey DeSmith kind of continued with his solid play in net. I would say that that's pretty pretty awesome. And then just sticking with that goaltending theme. Nobody still to this moment knows what goaltender interference is. So there's also that, uh, which was just fascinating to watch that, that whole thing go down because everybody felt differently about it. It was weird. Yeah. I mean, starting with, with Casey, he had 32 saves. Um, Maybe not a ton of, you know, like 10 bell highlight reel saves, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was a solid game for him. And, yeah. I mean, you go back to the last time he was in Columbus. That was his first game back after COVID protocol. He got pulled, and he did say that, you know, there was an extra emotion or satisfaction coming into this game just given how it went for him last time. But, I mean, you look at, you know, how he's turned his season around since that last Columbus game. Mm-hmm. Um, in his first nine games of the year through that, you know, that last Columbus appearance, he had an 886 save percentage, 3.58 goals against average. He had gotten Yikes. pulled in back-to-back games. He was he was pretty bad. Uh, and then yeah. <laughs> since that uh, Columbus game, that's really when he turned things around. Um, he's played five games since then. He has a 934 save percentage and a 1.99 goals against average. Um, and he had a 26 save shutout in, in Ottawa. And... I yeah. mean, those are better numbers than than Tristan in in, in that span. He's mm-hmm. played nine games, very short sample sizes. But yeah, I mean, we spent how long talking about how the goaltending, the back of goaltending, is their biggest issue? It seems like right now that's maybe not as big of a concern going mm-hmm. into the trade deadline, just because of the way Casey's turned things around. But I mean, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Goaltender interference, no one, no one knows what it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because so what we're talking about is like the game winner, Crosby. Um, by the way, that was his 74th. So Malkin had the game winner against the Rangers, mm-hmm. moved him past Mario Lemieux for a second all-time. That was his 75th. So the Penguins all-time you know, rankings. Yager is number one, 78. Malkin moved into sole possession to second place, 75. And now – and 
So Mario has 74. Crosby's game winner against Columbus was 74. So he tied, he tied Mario. So they're uh, awesome stat. Yeah, both those guys are getting near Yager pretty up. Mm-hmm. That's the only stat crazy. that like Mario doesn't lead the Penguins in, like offensive. Stat. Winning goals. Yeah, crazy. Wow. But uh, that is crazy. Back to the point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, goaltender interference. No one really knows what what it is. I mean, if if you look at the the rule book, goaltender interference, um, it takes up three whole pages. It's <laughs> it's it's crazy. You look at I I, I think I, I mean I think the goal is fine. Um, it should have counted, yeah. but I mean mm-hmm. it seemed like there was even confusion about like why it should have counted in arena. They announced that um, Merzlikens had initiate, initiated the contact. Yeah. Uh, the NHL statement after said the reason it counted was because it happened outside of the crease. Um, Sullivan said that was his understanding of why it counted too. That it happened outside mm-hmm. of of the blue paint. Um, but I mean, the Blue Jackets obviously were—they they challenged and, and they were pretty confident that it was going back their way. Brad Larson, the coach, he said, you know, because it was—it was a pretty quick review, and he said when mm-hmm. when they came back quickly, you know, they were feeling good that you know they mm. <laughs> so, and he yeah he, Big he yeah even you know the explanation they give he did he I guess he said they didn't quite understand it. They were looking for a clarification from the league, but uh, yeah, no one no one really knows what goaltending yeah. appearances. It's it's always very gray and when you have a whole three pages full for one single rule that's just it just screams like all of my college essays like filler just filler filler (laughs) and I I feel like out of all of the questionable goaltending interference calls that was one of the more clear-cut ones just watching it you like from the moment that Merzlinkis kind of and he, it, it, what ultimately doesn't matter is the intention because he may have been reaching up to try to grab the puck, but he shoved Crosby. He did initiate contact. It, and whenever Crosby saw where he, when he was able to find where the puck was, he capitalized on that. And it did sort of happen again, very gray area. It did sort of happen outside of the blue paint, but it, yeah, I ultimately you, when you watch it, you're like, yeah, that that's a good goal. It's I, a good goal. I think the main debate is so the incidental contact is allowed to happen, but the attacking player, so the the player trying to mm-hmm. score, um, has to make a reasonable effort uh, to avoid the contact. So I think that's yeah. maybe what, what the Blue Jackets are arguing that maybe Crosby didn't try hard enough to avoid it. Mm. Um, I don't know you. He also did have another player behind him. Like the, I, I don't think there's a whole lot more he could have done. He he made an effort to stay outside of the blue paint. Uh, yeah. So yep. I, and no one, yeah, no one knows what goaltender interferences. But um, no, I mean, speaking, we're all confused, but it's okay. Speaking of goaltending, the biggest save of the game, mm-hmm. Mark Friedman. Which, that was amazing. Yeah, this the the save on the on the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his second game since coming back from the conditioning stint in Wilkesbury. Which, by the way, I talked to him after his second game in Wilk- his conditioning stint in Wilkesbury. Mm-hmm. He had be- he had he had wanted to go down there and do that and play two games in Wilkesbury before coming back up. He had talked to Hextall about you know uh, he wants to go down because I mean he's played since uh, mid November. He had played one NHL game in January in Dallas. He 
it was when they were short forwards and he was dressing as the extra defenseman. He only played Mm -hmm. six minutes, 44 seconds. So uh, he had not seen NHL action for a long time. He asked to go down to Wilkes-Barre and he said, you know, just in case something happens up in Pittsburgh. And what do you know? The day after he comes back, something happens. Mike Matheson out weekly (laughs) (laughs) with an upper body injury. And, you know, so that first team he played was the one against the Rangers. And I remember saying, you know, when we saw, you know, Friedman was going to be the guy that goes in because Pio Joseph also got called up. Um, Mm -hmm. Both guys are capable of playing on the left side. Pio is a natural lefty, only plays on the left side. Mark Friedman, natural righty, has mostly played on the left side as a pro, even in college. So, um He's, he's experienced it. And I, I said, you know, with the back-to-backs coming up and then another set of back-to-backs coming up, Tampa, Carolina, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. to see Friedman and Pio split. But then Friedman was just yeah. so good. You can't like, – you couldn't really justify taking him out. I mean, that mm-hmm. game against the Rangers, um, you know, I, I was marking down the times of a bunch of different, you know, just good plays he was making. And I, I, I clipped them and made an article, you know, looking at them. But um, – you look at like even like the advanced metrics. It was like when he was on the ice, they're controlling you know eighty eight percent of the shot attempts uh, yeah. at five on five, and that so that's the that was the best number of any defenseman in that game. And the pairing with him and Ruidol had started the few had the fewest offensive zone starts of any uh, of the Penguins defense pairings. So they're not set up in a position that would support those numbers right and he was just phenomenal then you go into you know the game in columbus and he has uh the save of the game the penguins are down two to one if 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 that goes in puts the columbus up three to one maybe they don't come back and they lose that game Mm -hmm. but um I mean, yeah, I, he's he's just been great. Uh, yes. We're seeing a little bit less of the being an uh, antagonist. I know he said when I talked <laughs> to him, because um, he was doing that a little bit against Hershey during his conditioning. And I talked mm. to him, he said, uh, you know, he's trying to pick his spots better. Um, so I, I think he's making an effort to do that uh, now. Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, that's just... I mean, really encouraging because we don't really know how long Mm -hmm. Matheson's going to be out. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. There has been some scary stuff going on uh, across the globe with with Russia and the Ukraine and man that is surprisingly well not so surprisingly it's it's had a pretty big effect on the, the hockey culture right now because there are so many guys in the NHL and just in the sport in general who are from Russia and there is a lot of Tension and there's just been a there's been a crazy ripple effect on how players are being treated and the questions they're being asked and the type of perception that is sitting over these guys. It's just been it's been a little bit wild to 
to observe from the outside because it you, you would kind of think in a way that they they have something to do with it the way that they're being kind of grilled on their opinions and stuff it's it's just been crazy i don't i don't even know what to make of that that yeah. whole what's going on in the NHL but it's been nuts yeah this is something that only happens with Russians uh Russian mm-hmm. players where if something's going on in their country that they have to be asked about it if it's law it, you know obviously war and the invasion of Ukraine is an extreme example but even yeah you know going back to you know laws that have been enacted and stuff like that you know it, it's like they always have to answer for it um yeah and this is not something we ask of like Canadian players, you know, when it's, like the, uh-huh. like what's going on with like the Ottawa truck, you know, we're not bringing up Evan Rodriguez to ask him about like the <laughs> Ottawa trucker. So it's something that only happens with Russia. And mm-hmm. so the only play, the highest profile player, I guess, who has been asked about it um, so far as Ovechkin, um, who he gave a pretty neutral sounding answer. He didn't criticize Putin. Um, he did say he wants the war to end uh a pretty you know nothing statement malkin so far has not talked since uh, russia invaded ukraine yeah um my my understanding i mean he because he had what the only goal against the rangers you'd think he would yeah. talk um my understanding is that they're they're trying to figure out how to how to handle it so part of it is one, I, I don't think if, if Malkin's going to talk, it's not going to happen after a game because you're yeah. not going to ask him questions about the game and mix it like it's going to be in a practice setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also kind of figuring out how to handle it. And I know that Malkin saw kind of the response Ovechkin got, and that now has him a little more apprehensive to, to mm-hmm. talk because um there's really no win for the russian players here and um i i know that they're talking about you know malkin might just release a statement um instead of yeah they're in a tough spot because ovechkin has been you know outspoken supportive of putin in the past malkin very slightly um yeah but there, people look at it through the frame the mindset of like being an american and like being able to criticize your leaders here. They really can't do that there, Mm -hmm. especially um, high profile athletes, you know, Russia, they see, you know, their athletes as, you know, kind of an extension of, you know, foreign policy. And especially with hockey, you know, how big Putin is in in hockey. He started playing hockey so he can like be not poorly be around the hockey players. And I mean, you see the, the videos of him playing like exhibition games, like the defenseman diving out of his way, like so he can mm-hmm. score. And I mean, you go back to um, Panarin. Panarin has, um, I don't even know if he's been outspoken about Putin, but he's been outspoken in support of Russia's opposition leader. And he had to go home to, you know, look into the safety of his family after that. And, you oh know, my God. Um, unsubstantiated, you know, rumors and attacks were coming out after he made an Instagram post of, in support of the opposition leader. So mm-hmm. people expecting, you know, like Ovechkin or Malkin to come out and just like strongly yeah. condemn Putin. I mean, their families are back home. They're not in a position to do that. Yeah. And it's, and I think kind of going off what you said about how our, our freedom of speech in America really skews our understanding of what everything else in the rest of the world is like and it's 
it really isn't as if these players speaking out against Putin would really do anything. There's already resistance that's taking place over there. Ukraine is fighting back. Words are powerful, but they are also they can also be pretty damning as well. And if it's your family whose safety and security could pot- potentially be compromised because of something that you say in the public eye, that is, I just, I don't think that we really get the full weight of that being where we live in the world. And again, it's like, it's not like if Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Malkin come out and are like, no, this is bad. They need to stop. Putin would be like, you know what? You're right. I'm I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Like it's not, it really isn't going to do what people, I don't want, I don't even know what people think it would do, but it would just be really bad for them and their families. Yeah. I mean, this is like one man's war. It's not the war of the Russian people. And Mm -hmm. I think people think that their celebrity status would offer them a level of protection, but Mm -hmm. we've seen kind of the way Russia has handled um, opposition in the past. It, it, it doesn't offer them protection. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, tough, tough, you know, for them to handle it. And then we're also seeing um, different levels of sanctions from hockey organizations. So stuff like uh, like CCM, they're not using Russian players in their marketing uh, anymore moving forward. So that's minor. Um, the biggest one, probably the IIHF the, has uh, temporarily banned Russia uh, from participating in uh, tournaments. Um, so, you know, the small minor European tournaments and then also, you know, world juniors, world juniors going to be held in August, um, women's worlds, world championships, anything like that for this foreseeable future mm-hmm. that I get, um, to an extent, cause you know, you look at like Dominic Hasek is one, you know, someone has come out and said, you know, kick all the Russians out of the NHL. That doesn't really make any sense because they're not representing Russia when they're here. And I honestly, it's probably what the Russians would want to have their players, their best players go home. Like Putin's salivating mm-hmm. at the thought of that. You look at like what, how hard Malkin had to work to get out of his contract there to come over mm-hmm. here in the first place. Um, the KHL teams are mostly run by like oligarchs or like uh, state run, like com- like organizations. Like it is very in- like involved with like the, Russian government and like they want their best players at home. They don't want their best players coming over to the NHL. So the idea yeah. of like, and same thing, the CHL is expected to announce, we're recording Wednesday, they're expected to announce today. So that's the junior leagues, the QMJHL, WHL, OHL. They're banning Russian players from their import draft. These are 16 year old kids. Even they're not responsible for this, but even beyond that, I think you're playing into what the Russians want here. Yeah. They want their best players to stay at home. Uh, and you know, move up through their systems. So mm-hmm. I think that's misguided. But banning them from international competitions, playing under the Russian flag, is a little different. Um, mm-hmm. I get that because uh, that is actually you know, like bringing honor to Russia if they were to win. Um, right. But also, it I you wonder about like the precedent that it sets. And like North Korea is an active member of the IIHF. North Korea. They have hockey team. They have, they have a men's team and a women's hockey team. 
that competes Jeez. in like just lower levels. You know, they're mm-hmm. not obviously not in the top division, the way the divisions work. It's like the main one we all know of, of the world championships. And it's like D one, a D one B D two, a D two B D three, a what and so forth. North Korea. I know the men's team, they hover around like uh it's like a relegation system. They can move up and down. They hover around like D two B and D three A. So they're, they're they're far down. But if you look at like where the men's team ranks, North Korea internationally, they're really around like forty ish um, out of like eighty IHF countries. So Jeez. they're better than you think. But I just wonder like is the reason like North Korea is allowed to compete and like Russia is not just because Russia is good. North Korea, yeah. like <laughs> that's. It's, so yeah, the precedent it sets because yeah, like mm-hmm. North Korea, they they compete in the competitions, and um, there's actually a very good documentary on Apple TV. It's called Closing the Gap, I believe, where um, a film crew goes to North Korea and follows around the North Korean men's hockey team preparing for a tournament. It's very interesting. Hmm. Um, very interesting stuff. But again, it just where do you draw the line of now? Who yeah. we're, we're kicking out. I understand again Russia. I think, but again, I think it's only happening to Russia because they're good and they are in the top division. But they're also very, very bad countries. Who again, it's not the players' fault. Like the North Korean mm-hmm. players, you watch, they're just trying to play hockey, but um, they're doing it under like the North Korean flag. And I, it's like, are they just allowed to? That's do it odd. Yeah, they're not very good. Um, so yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's it, a, a lot of this stuff, like the CHL banning import players it just seems like hockey people feeling like they need to do something even though mm-hmm. they really don't this is not their your place to do something yeah so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how it gets handled moving forward in, in the hockey world yeah it will and we'll find out some more information soon uh in about 30 minutes but why don't we take one more break and we'll be right back And we're back. The Penguins signed a couple couple prospects yesterday. Taylor, why don't you fill us in on those young guys? Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, the Penguins have not had a lot of uh, high-end picks in recent years. They're trading them away, uh, you know, in win-now mode. So, we've seen, you know, in the past, they dip into the undrafted free agent pool, and that's what they did on Tuesday. They signed two players, um, forward uh, Jordan Frosca out of the OHL, and uh, goaltender Taylor Gauthier uh, out of the WHL. Um, both three are entry-level deals that begin next season. They'll finish this year with their respective junior teams. And then um, they are able, if Wilkes-Barre is still playing when they're done, they're able to join Wilkes-Barre uh, as a black black aces on an amateur deal. Awesome. And it would not count towards their entry-level deal. But um, both these guys, they're in their overage um, season. So, like, the way the junior leagues work, you play four years or um, until, like, your 20-age season, and that's typically when it ends. But then teams do have limited numbers of spots for overage players mm-hmm. to play one more extra year. So both of these guys are in that kind of situation where, um, you know, Frosca, he's 20. Um, Gauthier, he's 21. Uh, so okay. they're, they're both in their final year. They will go pro next year. Um, they're both overagers. Frosca, 6'2", 184, he's a left-handed shot. Um, alternate captain, he's on uh, Kingston in the OHL. Uh, 32 goals, 33 assists through 44 games. Um, his goals ranked fifth in the OHL. Uh, 
and Lead Kingston. That's uh, excellent. Yeah, and then the the goalie Gauthier, he's um he started the season with the Prince George Cougars, but he was traded to the Portland Winterhawks midseason. Uh, Portland Winterhawks, their head coach is a uh, former Penguins head coach Mike Johnston. Oh, that guy. Uh, Love it. <laughs> there's another Penguins prospect on Portland uh, defense, Ryan McCleary. I believe he was a seventh round pick in 2021. Don't quote me okay. on that. But uh, Gauthier, uh, six foot two, 208 pounds. He catches with his right hand, silly side. Most goalies don't. He's actually the third goalie in the system right now who does, though. Very weird. Hmm. Dorio and Domingue both catch right handed. So, um, okay. Between his two teams this season, he's recorded a 26-0 and record, a 2.17 goals against average, um, second in the WHL, and a 9.32 save percentage that leads the WHL. Um, and he has three shutouts that came in consecutive games. He, has, he put together a shutout streak of 252 minutes and 11 seconds, and that's 10 minutes short of the WHL like league record that was established in 1967. So... Um, Oof. Yeah, he's having a great season. He did previously sign a PTO with uh, Maple Leafs back in the fall to attend their training okay. camp tryout. Uh, he didn't end up getting a contract out of there. But, um, I, I mean, this is what they need to do uh, when, yeah. you know, the pool is so so weak. I um, I would caution – so both of these guys are overagers. Like I said, they're twenty twenty one playing against 16-year-olds. Um, so numbers like this are kind of ex- – at least for you know a skater a forward kind of expected for for overrated yeah. um you it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know like um like sam militech comes to mind he was a penguins prospect forward prospect he put up better numbers than that as in his overage year in the ohl mm-hmm. and then he came to he turned pro and he just hasn't been he wasn't good um he he ended up a healthy scratch towards the end of his time in Wilkes-Barre. Now he's in okay. the AHL. Um, he's, yeah, he's still to play in the NHL. And he's been, I think he's a fourth-year pro. So um, mm. I would caution to reading too much into these numbers that, you know, I saw people saying, you know, like, Frosk is obviously their number one, you know, prospect right now. I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> um, And the goalie, too, uh, maybe a little bit different. But it's exciting, nonetheless, to get to mm-hmm. pieces like this who will turn pro just to see how they do, even if they, you know, start in the wheeling. Um, they need this kind of depth in the pipeline. Yeah, they really do. And it's, you know, you you get – prospects like this where you can and mm-hmm. then you see how they can develop and it's it's certainly always better when they have good numbers as opposed to potentially not having good numbers but you're yeah. right it, you just you never know guys can look really good on paper in in the minors but then when they come up into and they and they if they ever do make it to the uh, NHL level sometimes they flop. So it's, yeah. it's good to, it's good to pad the pool, but it's also like, yeah, just be realistic. Yeah. Goalies, especially honestly, such like a crap shoot at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, you go back to like the year the Penguins drafted Matt Murray. Um, what he was like a third round pick, I believe. And then 30 picks later. So the next round they picked another goalie, Sean McGuire. So, I mean, you look at where they were ranked at the time, not that far apart. Mm-hmm. They were picked one round apart. Murray went on to win two cups and NHL starter. Sean McGuire played two bad seasons in the ECHL and then retired. Jeez. So it's, it's hard to – goalies, 
yeah, so it's hard to predict. The Penguins have a pretty deep goalie prospect pool now. They have their mm-hmm. two kids in Europe, uh, Klung and Blomquist, who will not be coming over to North America next season. So that's not an issue as far as, you know, where is everyone going to play? Both of those guys are backups in their respective leagues right now. They're going to stay over there, become starters before they come to North America. Um, Lindbergh is still under contract. The, the guy they signed out of um, UMass, who, incredible to start this season, and then he got hurt in November and hasn't played since, isn't back mm-hmm. on the ice. So I don't – it's an ankle injury. Uh, so, I mean, next year's you, – you fig, it's getting late in the season. You figure next year's yeah. probably kind of going to be a rookie year for him. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have him – um, Dorio is a restricted free agent. I would like to see him resigned. I mean, we look at last season, he took over as Wilkes-Barre's starter deservedly. Um, his hat, he had a rough start to this season health-wise that kind of impacted him, but then since he recovered, settled in, he's been good. Um, so if they resign him, I don't know, you have, you have those guys, so Lindbergh, Gauthier, Dorio, Tommy Napier is the guy they have in an AHL contract. Um, who's signed through next season out of Ohio State. He's been having a good year, too. So um, a lot of interesting goalie pieces. It'll be, you know, you'll have to follow see who pans out because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's like playing the lottery. You want to go just buy a bunch of tickets because you don't know how these guys are going right. to turn out in a few years. Yeah, it's exciting. It'll and we know how much you love prospects, so you'll be yes. keeping us up to date, yeah. with, <laughs> uh, up to speed with all of the, the yeah. different uh, developments there. But thanks, everybody, as always, for for joining for another episode of podcast on Fifth Ave. Hopefully, we'll be posting a picture of the three of us at the at the Pens game in Tampa. But we always drop new episodes every Thursday, so make sure you're subscribed either on our YouTube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts, or both, so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye.